welcome back for another and the final episode this year of the NBN Weekly Recap Podcast. I'm James Crisofoli. And I'm Cameron Peters. I'm an NBN politics reporter. Um, so let's get right to it. We'll keep this one brief because we did uh, an episode on Monday. Um, but uh, big news today, this morning at 10 a.m. Um, our time, uh, Robert Mueller test or not testified, excuse me, Robert Mueller issued a, his first public statement since being um, the special counsel. Um, and he kept it pretty brief. It was about 10 minutes long. Um, but he basically uh, seemed to emphasize the Russian hacking and interference in the elections aspect of the report. Um, that was that took up most of his time. He wanted the report to speak for itself largely. Um, and he also emphasized why or just tried to justify his decision not to um, indict the sitting president um, because of the longstanding Justice, Justice Department policy. Um, so not too much breaking news there, but just uh, just a big moment to be able to hear directly from the special counsel himself. What are your thoughts, Cameron? Yeah, just about the same. Uh, I mean, he very much just reiterated, I think he said the report was his testimony. He is not interested in testifying before Congress, and if he does, he will simply be reiterating what was stated in the report. But in saying that, he made very, very clear that while DOJ policy says you cannot indict a sitting president, the report also does explicitly not exonerate the president. He said mm-hmm. if they could say conclusively that he did not commit a crime, they would have, and it did not. Mm-hmm. So basically it was 10 minutes of him screaming at Congress to actually read the report. Yes. Um, some people have said it amounts essentially to an impeachment referral because he says pretty explicitly that while he can't do anything because of DOJ policy, there are constitutional mechanisms in place if members of Congress think something should be done. Um, he also announced in in this press conference that he is resigning from the DOJ, so mm-hmm. he will no longer be a federal employee, yes. which means he would be um, more vulnerable to a subpoena yeah. if Democrats choose to have him testify, though it doesn't seem like there'll be much substance to come out of that. Yeah, yeah I think the two big takeaways were things we kind of already knew. One is that the report booted the investigations to Congress, and he emphasized that. And the second was just the importance of the findings on Russian interference, um, which I think were, the, were the, the biggest and most impactful and should be the most um, focused on aspects of the report. Uh, so, yeah, next uh, this week uh, in Syria, in Idlib, the last rebel stronghold, um, there were satellite images that came out showing um, a lot of the farm area in that, in that region uh, burning um, as a result of heavy bombing. So this has been taken to be sort of the last stage in Assad's campaign to rid, the, rid Syria of um, rebels, of the rebels, and take back all uh, territory for himself and the government. Um, and yeah, this has been part of a, part of a long process where the rebels have been losing more and more territory. Um, and Assad has been bombing and 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 um, uh, killing a lot of people in the country. So um, it was just, I think, uh, big news in that we actually got images of of what was happening and um, the really grim prospects for the rebels there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the rebels are on the the losing end of an eight year war that started during the Arab Spring. Uh, it lives a northern province. They're kind of cornered up against the border of Turkey, I believe now. And Assad is a famously, famously brutal. Um, so there's a lot of international concern that we'll get um, something kind of in the vein of the threats Gaddafi was issuing toward Benghazi before the international community stepped in and stopped him. Um, we don't know exactly what will happen, but 
there's definitely a lot of concern that Assad will um, uh, employ some really brutal tactics toward the, the last holdouts in Idlib. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, and last uh, story on, in the article, um, in Israel, uh, the um, government is calling for snap elections. Um, this is after... Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu recently and his party recently won, won defeated uh, Benny Gantz in the um, parliamentary elections and for prime minister, and he um, got reelected. But uh, the, they are part of a coalition government, and they have to form a coalition. And uh, I believe this week the um, sort of orthodox Jewish extreme, not extreme, but right-wing party, um, uh, w- w- refused to form a coalition with Benjamin Netanyahu and his party because of, over the issue of conscription. Um, so they thought that Orthodox Jews should not have to be um, drafted into the army. And so that kind of just spiraled out of control and uh, forced uh, or allowed, not, didn't allow a coalition to form. So now snap elections will be held. Um, this is going to be very interesting because the recent election was supposed to be sort of a, an, uh, a retrenchment of Netanyahu and, mm-hmm. his, and his party and his power. Um, so we'll see now if that changes. Yeah, I mean, first of all, this is unprecedented. This is the first time in the history of Israel that they've had to hold snap elections because they failed to form a governing coalition. So that Which is surprising because they have, what, 62 parties or something? Something like that. They're yeah. a strong, strong multi-party democracy, mm-hmm. um, heavy on the pluralism, um, always coalition governments. So surprising, but still historic in that, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think anyone can predict what's going to happen, but Netanyahu went really all in to win this latest wave of elections especially talking about settlements in the Golan Heights and the West Bank. He was um, mm-hmm. relying heavy, heavily on support from Trump and some announcements about Israeli occupation of those territories to really uh, boost nationalist rhetoric that helped his party. So we'll have to see what he does leading up to the September elections, mm-hmm. but it could be interesting because he has to feel like he really needs to win this and get a working coalition. He is still under the threat of indictment for all sorts of things. So, again, stay tuned on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, one other story I wanted to mention this week, just because it's local, is in uh, in the state of Illinois, in the state legislature, one of the biggest um, uh, things on their agenda that was popped up this week was a constitutional amendment to get rid of the flat tax, income tax, and institute a progressive income tax. This has been something that a lot of people on the left have been calling for for a long time. It makes a lot more sense economically, uh, at least in my opinion. I think in many people people's opinions, including economists. Um, but yeah, so so uh, now you know after Pritzker has been in power for a little bit, um, this the state legislature is taking this on, and hopefully we'll see that uh, change in uh, in, the, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, any other stories you wanted to talk about this week? Yeah, it's also worth noting we've talked about this before, but as of today, um, kind of the wave of anti-abortion legislation in the U.S. is continuing with a bill in Louisiana that would ban all abortion after six weeks. So it was passed by a Republican legislature, but it's expected that Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards will sign it. This will join bills in Georgia, in Alabama, in, um, in Missouri that are extremely, extremely restrictive and all kind of designed, particularly the bill of Missouri, but all kind of designed to be Supreme Court bait trial balloons mm-hmm. to go after Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. worth noting. It's 
definitely part of a larger trend, and we'll see if the Supreme Court decide, or we'll see what happens as those work their way through the courts, because yeah. lawsuits are already being filed by the ACLU, mm-hmm. Yellowhammer, other um, uh, pro-choice organizations. So. Yeah, and we just saw this week also uh, one of the first tests of not one of these bills, but of another abortion bill from Indiana, uh, one that was enacted when Mike Pence was governor. Um, and it was not nearly as extreme, but the Supreme Court did allow it to stay in place. Um, so maybe some foreshadowing there of what, what's to come. Anything yeah. else? Uh, as always, there's lots. But yeah. That about covers the right. main bullet points. Yeah, uh, we're trying to keep it brief this week. But um, yeah, everyone, please have an, a wonderful summer. Um, and we will be hopefully back next yeah, fall. Yeah, back I, I in assume. September. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys.